You're listening to Napa Valley College Now on NapaBroadcasting.com. Thanks for joining us once again here on NapaBroadcasting.com. Many of you know Brian Copeland, or at least you think you do. He's an award-winning actor, comedian, author, playwright, television and radio talk show host, and he's based right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. He began his career in stand-up at the age of 18. In 2004, he debuted his first one-man play that went on to become the longest-running solo show in San Francisco theatrical history with over 800 performances. He's written and performed three subsequently critically acclaimed solo plays. He's a fixture in Bay Area broadcasting, including his weekend show on KGO, and he's coming to Napa Valley College on February 27th. It is my pleasure to welcome Brian Copeland here. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I don't think I can follow that introduction, so. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. You know, a lot of people are talking about this being kind of the golden age of for comedy, and particularly for satire with all that's going on in America and the world today. Talk a little bit about how you see that in the context of all the different uh, medium that you work in. Well, um, you know, it's interesting because it's been a while since I've done just straight stand-up. And I, I uh, just went and did, uh, went over to Mill Valley to the Throckmorton the other night and just played around with some stuff. And um, and I, I realized how much I miss it because the solo show work that I do, it's uh, it's plays. You know, there's kind of a stand-up element, but it's just that there are plays where I basically play all the parts, you know. Right. And uh, and it's it's cathartic almost uh, because of what's going on in the country and and in the world. Um, you, you'll find that if you look throughout American history, it's during troubled times that you have a tendency to find the best comedy because people either need a relief from it or from what's going on in the world, or uh, and this is much more common, they they need a way to address it and address it in a way where it doesn't come off as being a diatribe. So um, it's, uh, you know, and you'll see that, you know, throughout, take the Great Depression and World War II, you know, you had some just wonderful, you know, commentary and comedy coming out of Fred Allen on the radio, and and escapism comedy coming from Jack Benny, and, and, uh, you know, speaking the truth to power coming from what Bob Hope was doing. Will Will Rogers. Will Will Rogers was the, well, I think, when did he die? 36 is when Will Rogers died. So, like, yeah, he was the first part of the Depression. Then you look at the 60s, you look at what was going on, and then you had that rise of, uh, of, of the comics such as Lenny Bruce and the things the Smothers Brothers and my dear friend Pat Paulson were, were doing. So I think we're in one of those periods right now. I think that's what's going on. We're in one of those, one of those difficult, challenging uh, uh, periods in American history. And talk about how it shapes or how you, how you think it's beginning to shape your work these days, both doing stand-up again, as you were talking about, and also in, in doing these one-man shows and plays that you've done. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I revived Not a Genuine Black Man, uh, and I revived it after Charlottesville. Um, and what, what Genuine is about is uh, it's about racial identity. Uh, it's about what does it mean to be African-American uh, in, in the 21st century. But it's also about, you know, when I grew up in, in San Leandro in the 70s, and we were one of the, the few African-American families, and it was a, a militantly racist city at the time, you know, due to redlining and the like. Um, and so I brought that play back after what happened in Charlottesville, and I just find that it lands in just a whole different way. I mean, it was always well-received, which is why it ran so long. It went off Broadway and everywhere else. But it lands just in a, in a, in a whole different way. Um, there, there's just a, 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 a different vibe and maybe a different understanding 
uh, because at the time I first debuted that show, uh, I think that there were a lot of people in 2004 who thought that 2004, 5, 6, 7, 8, when Obama got elected, that, uh, that racism was something that was in the rearview mirror. You know, and, uh, and then we see when you have a, a president of the United States who openly supports white supremacists. Let's be honest. That's what he does. Right. He openly supports white supremacists. Uh, you know, people are looking at this in an entirely different way. You know, so, um, you know, I, I think you're going to see over the course of, of the next, um, I was going to say next few years, it is my hope that he does not last the next few years. But certainly as long as, as, as this climate persists in our nation's government, I, I, I think you're going to see some, some very uh, interesting and biting and pointed uh, commentary that, that's coming from, uh, from comics and coming from, from people who do the kind of work that I do. You know, you're a Bay Area guy. You've spent, uh, you know, most of your career working in the Bay Area. How is it different being in, in this kind of bubble that we're in here in the Bay Area and, and addressing this as opposed to how it might be doing the show in Oklahoma? Well, it's not that, that I've, I've spent most of my career in the Bay Area. I'm based here, but I, you know, genuine toured in, in, in 20, 30 cities uh, around the country. And, you know, stand-up, uh, I spent 20 years of stand-up working right. across the country, touring with Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin and Smokey Robinson. So you go to all different kinds of, 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 of places, and you can tell a lot about a, a community and about a city based on what it is that they laugh at and based on what it is that they think is uh, is is humorous as opposed to what they think is 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 uh, offensive, and usually what they'll consider offensive is something that hits a little too close to home. So, um, whereas yes, we do live in a bubble here in in, in the Bay Area, it, it's also you know it's a double-edged sword because there are things that you cannot get away with here that you could get away with other places because of the fact that in San Francisco, uh, we especially with millennials, we have this whole uh, this whole, I hate to use the first political correctness, but there's, I'll, I'll call it oversensitivity to how some topics are addressed. We'll put it that way. Talk a little bit about what's cutting edge today. If you, if you wanted to do stuff that was really, you think, cutting edge today, talk about what, what would constitute that. What would you do? I don't really know because pretty much everything I do, uh, you know, is it w- would be considered cutting edge. You know, when I t- when I first opened Genuine, that was about you know it, it was a take that hadn't been dealt with. Uh, the waiting period uh, it, it was my second play, and that's a play that I have revived as well. That, that runs at the Marsh. We do that free to the public. Uh, that's about depression and about a suicidal body depression I went through in 2008. And that's something that you, you don't discuss. It's, not, it's something certainly that you don't put out as, as entertainment, you know, in, in any form. So that was considered cutting edge. My third play, The Scion, where I looked at the role of privilege in society through the lens of this infamous triple homicide in San Leandro back in, uh, in 2000, with the, the Santos Linguisa factor, where the owner shot and killed three USDA meat inspectors because he didn't feel they had the right to inspect us his uh, his factory, and to be able to take something like that that dealt with a triple homicide and not make fun of the homicide, obviously, but take a look at in a humorous way the 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 attitudes that that created the the, the monster who killed those, those people. These are things you know that that hadn't really been done. So that's certainly what it is with, with my work. I, I try to find something. Um, first of all, everything I do has something to say. 
Yeah, I, I look at it and I think, okay, what is it, what's the point I'm trying to make? What is it that it is that I'm, that I'm trying to say? Okay, now how is it that I do this in a way? What is it I have to say that maybe hasn't been said before? And how do I do this in a way that is, uh, is engaging and entertaining and funny as well as dramatic? You know, so, uh, so that's, how I approach, uh, that's how I approach everything. And tell us a little bit about what you're going to be talking about here at the college next week. I wanted to uh, to talk about um, diversity in and uh, in, in the importance of, of diversity. I'm going to talk about overcoming adversity. And uh, I'll talk uh, quite a bit, probably, about my experiences. Um, a lot of stuff that I relate. Not a genuine black man. My experiences growing up as as the only one. You know, and I'll tell you something that's interesting as well. Um, I, I completely forgotten about this. I did. Um, not a genuine black man in uh, in Napa at the Napa Opera House. I think mm-hmm. it was like in 2006 or 2007. And as I said, one of the main themes of that play is is about redlining. Because at the time I moved to San Leandro in '72, when I was eight, it was like 99% white, and it was because realtors would not show homes to blacks. Homes to blacks. So there was a uh, a reporter for the Napa Valley Register, and I cannot remember the gentleman's name, who put out. Uh, in his column, uh, he did a show and he wrote about whether or not Napa was mostly white because of economics or mostly white because of, of, uh, of redlining. And he got all of these letters from readers who were telling stories about how, and this is, this is, this is 2006, 2007, all these letters from, from, uh, from readers who were saying that when they bought their homes in Napa, the realtors uh, went out of their way to tell them that there wouldn't be black people there. We keep them in Vallejo was, right. was the common refrain. And, and, the, and the, the one that really blew my mind and blew the, this, uh, the, this reporter's mind was a letter that he got from a woman who bought a house in Napa, um, uh, bought a house in Napa, I guess, uh, around, around the turn of 2000, 2001, something like that. And, and uh, it had been a home that had in the past belonged to one of the, like, the city fathers of Napa. You know, one of the guys who's all, you know, a prominent, I, uh-huh. I, they, he didn't name him, but prominent, I, I guess somebody in city government, city council, maybe even a mayor. And uh, in, in the attic, she found all this Ku Klux Klan stuff that had been his, including uh, like his membership card and all of this stuff. And, uh, and it was just fascinating looking at that history of the city and that Napa had, you know, in the 1920s, uh, the, the largest KKK rally in, um, in Northern California, or since in the state of California, took place in Napa. 10,000 classmates showed up in Napa. For, for, you know. So it's just interesting how places... How some attitudes persist, and it's interesting how places evolve and evolve beyond all of that. You know, for example, San Leandro today is one of the most diverse cities in the country. Um, demographically, one of the most diverse cities in the country. There's a heck of a lot more diversity in Napa today than there was 10 years ago, and certainly much more than there was at the time that this this uh, gentleman who had the, all the the stuff in his attic was was you know running around town cutting ribbons. So um, it's, it's just, you know, it's about how we have to, as a society, continue to evolve and continue to move forward. Because if we don't, we're going to destroy ourselves. We really are. Brian Copeland, he's going to be here at Napa Valley College next Tuesday, the 27th, from 5 to 8 p.m. in the Little Theater. Brian, I thank you so much for giving us a little preview and spending some time with us today. 
Well, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. NapaBroadcasting.com, the online radio home of Napa Valley College.